Actually, we're like hitting it out of the ballpark in all fronts because we've gotten over 2 billion PR impressions. I mean, it's crazy, so. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Uncensored CMO. Now, any of you out there that follow advertising closely will know that we have literally just had the biggest advertising event on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about Super Bowl 2022. More money gets spent on this event than I think anything else, and the cost of advertising is around six and a half million dollars for just 30 seconds. An incredible amount of money goes into it. Is it worth it? Well, we'll come on and talk about it in a minute. As you know, at System One, we test every ad that airs on TV. So as close as the game was on the pitch, hotly contested and won in the last couple of minutes by the Rams, there was an equally close competition to get the crown of best advertiser of the Super Bowl. Now, I thought I'd catch up with none other than the CMO of Boston Beer to ask her about what it takes to make a Super Bowl ad and what it's like to win the Super Bowl because, and I promise this isn't a setup, that actually Boston Beer and the Sam Adams advert went on to win the best ad of the Super Bowl according to System 1 test. So there probably isn't anyone more well qualified on the planet right now than her to uh, tell me all about making an ad. So without further ado, Let's get into it. This is my conversation with Lesia, the CMO of Boston Beer. Lesia, it's lovely for you to join us. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, well, thanks, John, for having me. What I thought I'd do, just for anybody who wasn't staying up very late in Europe to uh, to watch it, I think by the time it went out in LA, it was already Monday. So not everyone maybe would have caught it who's listening into the show. But what I thought I'd do is just do a quick countdown of the top 10 on the System 1 Test Your Ad uh, leaderboard, of course, just to give people a sense of what uh, came top. Okay, so number 10, we had Disney+. Plus. Very clever one, actually, Disney+. Plus. It was, it was uh, I, I don't know how familiar people are with the term goat. I know for me, it was like, I, I, I was like, why is Serena Williams being referred to as a goat? And then, of course, someone said, oh, John, it means greatest of all time. <laughs> Which, uh, but I thought that was quite a clever one. So that was Disney+, Plus at number 10. Um, number nine, we had Lay's. So Lay's actually, PepsiCo, actually a big investor in Super Bowl, aren't they? And they, they do work every year. And uh, Lay's came in at number nine with Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd. That was quite a funny one, actually. I, I don't know what you thought, but that was uh, good use of entertainment, wasn't it? I loved that one. I loved it for a couple of reasons. I loved it because we all grew up with Lay's, so we have memories about sort of with, with the brand, and they are just so funny in themselves, but they talked about all the history, everything they remember about where Lay's was sort of in their moments together, which I just thought was really, really funny. Yeah, very clever. We'll come and talk about this a bit later when we talk about your ad as well, but I think nostalgia and using familiar sort of characters is, is something you've done well in yours, of course, as well, which will which maybe we'll come back to. Number eight. Oh, this this was one of my favorites, actually. The You know the Toyota story of the brothers, and, and one of the brothers was blind, and they, they ended up, the brothers, get, getting, eight, I think, eight para, or ten Paralympic gold medals. Now, number seven was quite fun, and, and I think Michelob must win the award for most celebrities used in 30 seconds. I, I think I lost count of the number of famous faces. And of course, they were using the, the other Super Bowl, which is, is bowling, which I thought was very, an obvious kind of setup, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, actually, I have, I have an 18-year-old son who has uh, just gone off to college. So I have my quote-unquote freshman dorm room focus group that happens. Oh, so they're constantly it. calling me, they're texting me about what they like, what they don't like. This was a big hit among the oh, was it? 
dorm I'm room. loving this. Oh, We're going to have to do the countdown for the freshman dorm, dorm room top 10 as well. This is great. I know. And you know, we'll come on to Coinbase actually later because I think Coinbase probably, end, I'm guessing Coinbase, Coinbase, sorry, might have been in there in your list, not our list. But yeah. Now, number six was interesting, actually. So I don't know if you know, last year's winner on the System 1 top 10 was Huggies. And it was so clever because what they did is they, they, they actually filmed babies born on Super Bowl day. It was incredible. I mean, logistically, I, I think that must have been quite amazing. But the thing with Super Bowl is it's got such broad appeal. And of course, ba- everyone loves babies, don't they? You can't help but, you know, be moved by babies. And then E-Trade had that really funny ad with the kind of babies taking over the place as well. So that was probably inspired by Huggies. I don't know if they've done it for the last couple of years, but about four or five years ago, I think, that babies, when they were in a different place in their trajectory, I don't know if they won at that point, but their their ads were always talked about with these talking babies that talked like business people, basically. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, oh, what's the what's the candy manufacturer? Haribo. Do you, you know, if, uh, Haribo do that as well, don't they? They have the kind of adults talking as babies as another well, way of, you know, other, another yeah. way in. Yeah, similar one. So number five, we come to Skechers. I think this is a very simple ad, obviously showing off the, the trainers and footwear with, with a, country leg, a country legend there, Willie Nelson. I thought that was, that was a good good soundtrack as well. And that's, I think, we'll co- when we come and talk about yours, another thing you got well. Now, what I thought was interesting about the top four is there was a theme that emerged in the top four. Um and they all have animals of some kind. Now, of course, some robotic animals, but but Jurassic Park was number four. I was I was actually, to be honest, I was quite surprised because I thought it was a little bit scary. And um, obviously, because with System One we're measuring emotion, I was like, oh, this is going to create a little bit of fear and anxiety in the audience. But actually, it didn't. It made everyone very happy. And I think because Jurassic Park's so well known, isn't it? And yeah. and, and the I the story is so good. It's it's you know. Yeah. We're no longer scared seeing the T-Rex coming through the screen. Right, right. <laughs> and then number three stood out for me, actually. I, I wonder what you thought of it, because car ads very rarely do well on, on, on System 1. In fact, you have to go back about 10 years to find a five-star car ad. It's really interesting that car ads tend to always score around three-star and they're very feature-led. They're often, you know, showing the car driving around its at sunset, you know, you know, going through the cityscape with all the, you know, all the features of the car and stuff. And um, but actually, I thought Kia did a very clever ad because they had the the, the, the Robo puppy chasing the, you know, chasing the owner and then running out of running out of electricity and then being recharged by the owner of of the Kia vehicle. So that was very clever and brilliant music, of course. Bonnie Tyler, it's a sort of famous kind of 80s song. One thing I know about the car business is that because it's a franchise, they're, they're franchisees, sort of similar to the beer business where we have distributors, but franchisees are owners yeah. of the, you know, part owners of the brand. And so this is, might be a myth, but what I have heard is, and it makes sense to me, the reason that the car ads are always the car driving down the road on a winding road is because... If you kind of go out on a limb and do something very risky, the franchisees just will not accept it. They want to ah, see their beautiful car yeah. driving. Show me the car. Show me Show the me car. car. Which is why you get narrowed down into, yeah. you know, sort of the very similar, all the ads kind of look the same. Mm. What I thought was interesting about this one was there were four or five or maybe six ads for electric cars. So, you know, everybody was touting their electric car. I can't remember any of them now except for the Kia one because That's it. That's they brought right. in a character yep. who yep. 
I mean, a very cute looking, you know, electric dog. Like what a brilliant thing to do. So So clever. And and I think there's I think there's a real lesson here, but when you're trying to sell something new bring the familiar in so you know a cute dog obviously is something that's going to get everyone engaged and having a robo dog is i thought was a very device and there was a story of course because very very few car ads ever had a story they're usually just you know couples driving down the road but the fact that the dog ran out of juice and then got charged again so had a happy ending and the relationship between the you know the guy and the dog was was lovely funnily enough actually the best scoring car ad on our database is skoda and it's, it's showing a cake being made. It's Skoda Cakes about 10 years ago now. And it's these artisans in a patisserie building this cake. And then at the end, it reveals the cake is a model of the car sort of thing. So it doesn't feature the car at all. There's no driving. There's no passengers. But it's just using something, you know, as delicious as a cake to sell a car, which is, to this day is the best car out on the database. Um, now, keeping with the animal theme, coming in at number two was Dorito. So that's the second uh, brand from PepsiCo, also featuring a lot of animals and, uh, you know, quite a funny, you know, quite a funny storyline and a good soundtrack as well. So very good, very good ad there. But in at number one, and look, the the audience are going to think that this is a setup. So, and, and, and this is no word of light. And we had organized this podcast, by the way, just so everyone could hear, before the Super Bowl. I was going to have you on anyway. But the number one Super Bowl ad this year is yours. <laughs> so, this feels like a setup. I promised the audience that System One test independently, and this was done, you know, a verified. It was, it was well worth the $100 that I paid the System One people. I know, I know exactly. Well, look, payment in beer is always welcome, isn't it? But, <laughs> but, you know, but listen, congratulations and, and genuinely very, very well done. And um, ju- just for anyone who maybe hasn't seen, hasn't seen the spot, who maybe missed the Super Bowl, just talk us through the, how the ad works. Long day, huh? You? Thank you. Hello? Hey, buddy. You want a Sam Adams? All right. <laughs> Hello. Your cousin from Boston. Wicked's all around. Get it, girl. He wasn't lying. We're gonna live forever. Call security. That is security. This is the best night of my life. So we have a character that we introduced now about two, a little bit more than two years ago. So for every, anybody who doesn't know, Sam Adams is born in Boston. And Boston has, is a very specific kind of a place. It's got, you know, humor, down to earth, opinionated. Bostonians know that they are loved or hated, basically. And they love that. They love that they are loved or hated sort of by the rest of the world. And so we created this character called Your Cousin from Boston, who is just the quintessential Boston guy. And we've been using him as the, you know, iconic character for now three years. So the idea here is that, and okay, so also there's a company in Boston called Boston Dynamics. They make robots. And if you've ever gone on YouTube and looked up like robot dog, they get 20 million, 30 million views for some of their, some of their, their videos. They're just an amazing company. So the idea was that the cousin from Boston is a security guard. And at the end of the day, he basically, you know, has a beer and then parties with the robots. That is essentially the idea. (laughs) And it. it was just a lot of fun. So he had a lot. It's funny. I, I, I've been testing this out since I've been in New York for a few days, asking about your ad as well. And, and the whole idea of, of the guy from Boston is is kind of, 
Yeah, everyone's everyone nods. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. There's a certain character that they associate with Boston, and and you've kind of made that your own. And, and I think that's something that we don't see enough in advertising, actually, because so many you know CMOs, advertisers like to change advertising every single year. And in fact, Super Bowl probably is is a brilliant example of that. The amount of brand new ideas on Super Bowl Sunday is phenomenal. But you've stuck to the same idea pretty much, haven't you, for the last few years? And is that a conscious decision? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I was thinking, how did we get to this number one position? (laughs) Because, I mean, it's an honor being in the top 10 to begin with. Some of these brands are much bigger than us, by the way, which much bigger spend. And we were actually only a regional advertiser, by the way, also because Anheuser-Busch has exclusivity for the Super Bowl. So we actually can't advertise nationally so we kind of have to get around it but I was thinking why why did we do so well and I think one of the reasons is that we have now had this cousin from Boston it's probably our 10th or 11th ad with with this guy in it and he's also also become kind of infamous like he gets talked about together with other famous Bostonians like Matt Damon and and Mm -hmm. Mark Wahlberg and your cousin from Boston you know it's yeah So if I look at the other top, the other nine, a lot of them are brand new ideas. I mean, they're brands that are very well known, but the ad idea Mm. is sort of a new thing. And when you've got a huge brand, you can sort of afford to do that. But for us, we really have found that building off of this iconic character, distinctive asset, we call it, you know, just I think gets you a lot quicker, just quicker get. Oh, yeah, there's another of those Sam Adams ads. So I think that that's helped and you start to you start to see him appear in different scenarios and you know the the joke kind of builds doesn't it as as the more you use it i mean it's one of the system one kind of principles actually we often say to people is that far from creative wearing out actually we see that very often it wears good creative it's of course bad creative doesn't matter but good creative actually wears in and that from a consumer point of view because we're very overexposed to our own advertising Actually, the, you know, the audience like it the more they see it. So, in fact, familiarity, as we often say, breeds contentment, you know, so often. And, and I think this is a wonderful example of where sticking to the same idea is, is, is paying dividends. I think that's very true. And I think, you know, in marketing, we often move people around every three years. So a brand manager does not stay on a brand for, you know, 10 years. Mm. And we often get bored ourselves much more quickly, I think, than the consumer does. So I think that's one one thought. And then the other one is, I always think of it sort of like a good series. Like when you watch the first, a pilot of a good series, it's usually pretty good. It's okay. You mm. kind of see it has potential. But by the time you're into the second season, I mean, you know these characters. Yeah. You feel yeah. like, well, there's another one, you know? That's so it. I think the same happens with good advertising. You kind of, you know, it becomes, you know, some it just becomes familiar to you. It's like a friend now versus uh, changing it up all the time. One of the questions I want to ask is, you know, historically with super advertising, it is it, kept under wraps, isn't it? And then, you know, you, you spend your five, six million dollars all on one 30 seconds. I've noticed actually this year that we saw a lot more advertisers release the spot in advance of Super Bowl. I mean, not just teasers, actually, because there were were quite a few teasers, but also actually the spot in advance. I know that's something you did. Is it a conscious decision to release it ahead of time? What's the decision you have to make about do you keep it, you know, as a surprise for game night or do you release it in advance? What's your advice? It used to be a decision, and I don't actually even think it's a decision anymore. It used to be a debate. And... You know, I think I would 
think that almost everybody has now figured out that to get the full force of the awareness and the buzz, you need to release it before. I mean, we've and our PR impressions alone, we've gotten 2 billion PR impressions mm. alone because of the spot. And we got them mostly, well, at least a billion of them we got before the, before the event, like before the Super Bowl. So I think that it just seems to be common now. And I think the other thing that, you know, I always think about, you, can, do you, you do your research, you hope for the best, but in context, you're sitting with a group of people who are probably chatting and half paying attention, and you want somebody in the room to say, oh, here's a good one, and for mm-hmm. everybody to stop and pay attention. So I, I think that may be a factor too, but that that's such a fascinating insight actually because I, I was I was watching it Sunday night drinking a Sam Adams you'll be pleased to hear in a very very busy bar, and I, I I couldn't believe the amount of screens there were. I mean I couldn't look anywhere without seeing screens and and we had a DJ. It was it was pumping. It really was, and it was really interesting because you the behaviour you described was exactly my experience. I was, I was there with a colleague of mine, John, who also called John. And what I was doing was going, oh, John, you must look at that ad because I, I, I pretty much only pointed out ads that I'd already seen and had kind of formed an opinion about. So I think what you just said makes a lot of sense is that you need to build some familiarity with the idea, don't you? So that when people go, oh, yeah, that's the ad with so-and-so in it or that's the one that, you know, it, it really helps. Can I just check? Did you say two billion impressions? <laughs> two billion, yes. Two billion, billion impressions. That That's... <laughs> That yeah. I can't get my head around that. That's yeah. that's a lot, right? If you get a few big hits, if you get, you know, we were on Fallon, if you get Thrillist, if you get New York Times, if you get Wall Street Journal, if you get a couple of those and then, it, you know, it syndicates from yeah. there, it actually can pretty quickly, you know, it, it gets it gets around. I mean, g- 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 give me a benchmark. So how does that compare to your advertising out of Super Bowl? Where, where would it rank? Well, you know, the cousin actually has been getting a lot of attention. So, for example, we did a spot a year ago around vaccine time where the cousin yeah. got vaccinated. And okay. that, that's about a billion. I mean, and you think about that character getting vaccinated. I mean, he, he passes out, basically, because he's, he's so afraid before she even pulls out the needle. It's that kind of stuff. Anyway, we got a billion for that. So we do. I mean, I. I actually have worked in a, several on several other brands, and we got nowhere near that. So, I think the Bev alcohol, this yeah. character, you know, yeah. getting into the conversation. I, I do think the Boston Dynamics tie-in was yeah. very important, and they also have their own sort of PR machine. So, mm. I think that helped a lot. But still, it's yeah, it surpassed our expectations for That's sure. That's insane. That's incredible. I, I wanted to ask you about the Boston links. Actually, one of the things I thought was very, very clever was I immediately knew who it was advertising because in the opening scene, of course, no, you've got the Sam Adams, you've got your cousin, but you've also got Boston Dynamics lit up in the background. And I know on our System 1 testing, the fluency went straight up almost from the beginning. So one of the, I think one of the battles of Super Bowl is, you, I mean, we tested 80 ads in, in about three or four hours you know that there, there were so many there or there are so many advertisers. Obviously, it's the it's the prime spot, isn't it? But one of the battles is is how do you get remembered? You know, I mean, even though I mean, I work in advertising, and if you said to me, you know, can you remember ten adverts from the Super Bowl? I would probably begin to struggle after five or six that were sort of my my favourites. But I thought one thing you did very cleverly was 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 owning Boston, obviously, you know, with with your tie up and create fluency. So was was the link. 
Was the link with Boston Dynamics intentional? I mean, obviously the idea required them, but is that, was it designed it to kind of draw attention to? It, yeah, it was not required. And we debated, do we want to sort of bring another brand into this whole thing? But we thought it will add to the authenticity and also the talk value. So, and I actually think that the fluency went up when that little lockup happens, because that lockup is sound that your cousin from Boston. I mean, you remember you can remember jingles from when you were 16 years old, and I think that's why. So I think that, and by the way, when they originally presented our agency, Goodby Silverstein, who, by the way, has two or three other of these ads in the top 10, they know what they're doing. They're fantastic. When they presented the idea, it had the cousin and it had that lockup. And for us, it was like, this is a home run right off the bat because we knew that that would help, you know, build... A campaign very quickly you always have that oh there it is you are so right actually because it, it i don't think i saw that kind of device used anywhere else but it, it just it, it's so surprising the way it comes in and the bastard you know even the the way it said is makes it stand out doesn't it and it makes it mem- you know it creates a memory and i think things like that that are slightly different really stick in the mind don't they it's a bit like the old intel inside from years ago when we used to you know buy a laptop with Intel inside and you couldn't, you know, <laughs> that little jingle at the end is very, very clever. So, so, so how, talk to me a little bit about how you made the ad. So what goes, you know, for people that, I mean, obviously, you know, as a CMO yourself, you get to work on, on the Super Bowl. I mean, it probably doesn't get better in kind of, you know, CMO world to, to be able to do that. And, and I just wonder what's involved in actually putting a production of this scale. You, you mentioned the ad agency there as well. How far in advance do you have to prepare for something as big as this? Well, first of all, I would say that it's equal parts fun and stressful because you're taking a big swing. You're you're just taking a big swing, you know, with with a lot of the company's dollars so but but it's also just as you said i mean it it really does not get better than that other than the fact that you can't enjoy a super bowl because you're just on eggs you wait are you are you waiting for your you're waiting for your spot to go where's it coming where's it coming by the way do you do you do you know that do you you get do you get told that the the minutes or do you know roughly when it's happening we go roughly so we get a time but then it can be anywhere within sort of 45 minutes of that time especially if you're a regional advertiser if you're a national i think you buy oh yeah actually you do buy by the quarter because if it's not a close game there's a big drop off after halftime and if it is there isn't Ah. so all this right oh there's a lot okay yeah, but no, we started it around September, I think, is August or September. They they presented some ideas, and I don't actually remember the other ones, but I do know that at this point we kind of know it when we see it, and mm. we just thought this is it. I mean, this would be so you can just visualize the humor, the simplicity. So we love that, and then we do test actually our ads quite like quite a, a lot along the way. So we tested the animatic. And we tested a rough cut. We tested the final. So, yeah. And we shot it in January. We shoot, We had to shoot it overnight. So a couple of fun things. So we had to shoot it overnight because Boston Dynamics engineers are actually working during the day. So we were shooting it at, at night. And, you know, with the engineers, you know, working the robots during the scenes and stuff like that. But in the, the room we were in, somebody had to go to the restroom. And they were walking down the hallway. And they came back and they said, oh, my God. The dog robot, I forget his name, anyway, he came around the corner because 
like walking towards the sky because these robots actually are the they actually patrol the building. No. They are security guards. The, what are you saying the guard the guard dogs at Boston Dynamics are actually those dogs walking around yes. the place. Yes. And That's so the insane. dog comes towards the guy, stops, looks at him, obviously. Wouldn't that freak you yeah. out a bit? Yeah, a yeah. little freaky. And then kept going down this like deserted hallway. It was very odd. But but the other fun thing is that in the ad itself, they're having this party and they're going crazy. And then these two people show up and say, call security. And the other guy says, that is security. Well, the guy who says that is security is actually the founder of Boston Dynamics. So no, it was he's the, no way. That's insane. Too. So, yeah, it was really just... He must, a, have loved, he must have loved it. How many times do you get cast in a Super Bowl ad, right? He can go, well, you know, Serena Williams, me, you know, <laughs> I was there on game night. That's pretty insane, isn't it? One of the things I was, I was also going to ask you, I mean, it's very impressive, the robots, of course. Can they actually open a can of beer and can they do the perfect pour? Because I know the, the, the right pour is very important, isn't it? It's very important. <laughs> One of the most important things in life. I know. I've, I worked, I've worked in beer for a very short amount of time, but I did learn the pour is very important. And there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into the perfect pour. Uh, so I, I do. The one thing I did learn in my beer career. But 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 can the can the robot do a perfect pour? We all have to continue to practice the perfect pour, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Do you, as an employee, do you, do you I'm just sorry, going off piece a little bit, but but do you spend time in bars serving customers and getting you know familiar with getting feedback? Yeah, one of the reasons Boston Beer is has been successful for a relatively small company, extremely successful over the years. We have an incredible training program for our salespeople and for everybody. So we have beer scholar programs. We have the most number of salespeople who are Cicerone certified, which means you have to do this mm. like five hundred. You know, answer. Yeah, I say you have to I know did that myself actually. I, I, oh, you did. It's, it, yeah, I did. I did it, and and uh, it's the most stressed I've been since I was at university. Honestly, because <laughs> I was working at Brewdog, and like they said, you've got to pass your certified server status on on the Cicerone course or whatever. And I just thought, oh, it would be a few questions. And it's like health and safety. And you have to name 44 different beer varieties. And like they describe a beer and you have to explain where it's from. And like, yeah, it was, it, it's full on. It's no, it's no yeah, picnic. It's no picnic. It's no picnic. So yes, but back to your question. Yes, the, the robot does actually pour the beer in the ad. And it, it was the perfect pour. <laughs> yeah. So are we, we going to see the robot appearing in real bars in the future? Do you think we're going to, is it going to take over? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to take a job away from a server, but uh, maybe in addition, yeah. maybe he could run around with, yeah. The I robot can't it's pass weird. the test yet. Though. It can't, it can't <laughs> do the test. So we're okay. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it, it can't, rec- it can't recommend, you know, you know, a, a beer. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Although it probably can actually, that's, you know, I'm sure can. in the future. I mean, it was it interesting. Was... They they feel so lifelike. Like to me, they very quickly you think they're human. Like I don't yeah. know. It's um. It's very interesting. We're gonna see a lot. Well, coming more back coming back to the Kia ad, actually, that was the impressive thing with the Kia ad is how lifelike the dog appeared and its responses and it's it, it are the, the the bit I loved in that ad was when you had the dog with its head out the window because that's the a dog with its head out the window is is just the cutest thing, isn't it? It's like. I just thought they they nailed that thing because it's taking something human, you know. Yeah. The thing about a dog, you don't have to take out 
three times a day also, that would be <laughs> great. Yes. It doesn't leave a mess either as well. I, I suppose that's the, other, that's the other advantage to it. No, that's really, uh, you're right actually about the, 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 the robot human thing because the, what I thought you also got, you got a lovely party vibe in the end of the, uh, at the end of the spot, of course, with the robots dancing with your cousin as well. And the music was very good as well. I, I thought you got the party vibe just right for the occasion as well. And music, of course, is something that's particularly important to get right, isn't it? It is. And we often have a lot of debate over music because you can pay a lot of money for a well-known track and then you can pay much less for something that is not well known at all but you know do you you know we 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 have that debate more often than you'd think and on this one we actually had this track we loved and then we got the price tag and we reconsidered (laughs) and the track we have on there is actually not that track and it was a quarter of the price and i think it was the right decision i mean it really just you know it it needs to create the atmosphere but it's not the hero of the spot so i think Mm. i think we hopefully made the right call yeah um, but it, it is it's always it's always a debate. Now you, you mentioned testing a bit uh, just earlier as well. How how often or w- would you test in the sort of production process from sort of the idea creation you know to, to the finished film? What I'm finding is it depends on the it depends on where we are. So for example, on Sam Adams, we have an idea at Idea at Works, the cousin from Boston. What we normally do is we get presented a bunch of scripts. We actually pick one, we shoot it, and then we test. And we test a, uh, a rough cut, and then we re-edit based on that learning, and we test again. But on some other brands, like Truly Hard Seltzer, which is also one of our brands, where we're still sort of honing the idea, we actually have figured out how to use System 1 in a much, uh, I found it really helpful in that we'll put in like eight or 10 edits of a spot, into system one get quick results it it's surprising to me how often we are actually surprised so we think we we've got the one that's going to win but we put on all the the other ones in and then we learn from that and then we put another round in with another sort of set so we're getting a lot of data and often you know the ones we think are going to be the ones that win don't often it's the simpler ones it's the ones i don't know there's certain rules that we're starting to figure out but yeah, Do you know, the, the, the simplicity rule, I was working on a, a British energy drink brand called LucasAid four years ago. And it actually was when, when I started as a client working with System One and I had seven different creative ideas. I was working with the ad agency Grey in London. And it's probably the best creative meeting I've been in because we had two hours. Each different creative team came and pitched for 15 minutes their big idea. And there were seven of them in total. And I was blown away. I, I literally could have picked any of them. They, the, the standard was just incredible. And there was one idea that I really liked. And um, I liked it so much that, in fact, we started almost acting the scene. And, and I started voicing over the character, and it had this very funny character in it. And we started giggling about it, and we were, we were imagining different executions. And you know how you get carried away with the idea? Anyway, I, I then said, look, I think we should just make this. But we probably should just check with System 1, right? So so I, 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 I got in contact with System 1 and said, can we just check these seven ideas? And honestly, I would have bet my house on this idea winning. And it didn't. And the, the idea that won actually was the first idea that was the simplest, the simplest articulation of the, the idea in its most simple form. 
that I thought, well, that's all right, but it's not as funny as that idea. That idea is way cleverer sort of thing. And it taught, it taught me actually that a bit like the familiarity point is that people have to get the idea first and then you can kind of get clever later. And in a way, what I'd be guilty of is I, I was guilty of in my head running ahead, you know, into the future without obviously the audience had never got the idea before. And, and very often it's the simple things done well that, that actually reach the most number of people and create the right response. I can really resonate with what you're saying there. Yeah. No, it's fantastic to hear. One thing, one thing I was going to ask about is how the, the famous post-it notes, if I, can, if I can call it, you know, that Jim, how do you set, like, do you set, like, benchmarks when you're doing testing? Do you have certain scores? Or tell me about how that works. So what, what, how, I don't know what you're referring to. Oh, so that is Jim, our founder. It's who become is, legendary, Jim's yeah, post-it notes. <laughs> yes, regarding the top quintile scoring. Well, I mean... You know, I, you know, he's had this philosophy from the beginning, like, and I've, you know, I've had, I've, I've hopefully abided by this my career too. You know, it's not a crime to make a bad piece of creative. It is a crime to air it, right? So, mm. but you, you're, you're have so many pressures. You've already bought the media. You've got, you know, promised it. You've got a launch, whatever. So you, you know, you might end up with something that's not great, but you're, you put it on air anyway. And his philosophy is you really shouldn't do that unless you top quintile scoring ad. And we've been, you know, we kind of thought we'll never be able to do that, but we've actually been able to get really close with a number of our campaigns. Yeah. And it it makes sense. There's so much clutter out there. I think to your point, even of the Super Bowl, like I'm thinking, you know, how many of these ads, even in the top 10, would you remember? Yeah. That on the number yeah. that you've seen by and you're and you're paying attention as well you because you're looking out for your ad presumably yeah. you're looking at the other ads as well yeah yeah so you're bombarded by so many ideas that you really you really do need it's the hardest thing in the world honestly it is like it's it's what we lose the most sleep over because we're yeah. spending you know you know this is what builds brands and it's not yeah. it's not cheap so the company's making a huge investment based on our yeah. Based on your, you know, skills, quote unquote. Well, well, a couple of questions on that. Well, firstly, is Jim happy with top spots? I'm, I'm assuming he's happy oh, yeah. With, yeah. With, with your 4.9 star because yeah, he, that, sometimes, that... he sometimes says, I don't even need to see the spot. Just tell me the score. I don't, I'm not, I'm just one human. Like, I'm not, I don't want to give you my opinion. It's a fair point, right? So, yes, no, actually, but uh, yes, Jim is happy. He's the founder. But Dave, who's the CEO, said, Why didn't you get a five? And I said, Dad, is oh. that. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry. No, honestly, I, I feel for you because it, it, it's really frustrating, isn't it? 4.9 is just dangling the five star. I mean, look, I mean, I, I mean, less than one, less than one percent get five. Last year, only one got five star. But but yeah, you, you, you are top out of 80 uh, Super Bowl ads. So you aced it. So well done. Look, I wanted to just circle back quickly before we round up in, 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 in terms of the the measurement and the money, because I mean, I know you obviously can't talk too much about how much you invest, but you know, Super Bowl spot is well known to be you know over six million dollars. That's a massive, massive amount to spend. How do you, how would you evaluate the the investment overall? Because you talked about you know two billion impressions, but how would you evaluate whether or not this has been a success for the company? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the first thing, and by the way, we don't buy nationally, so that's why we're a smaller brand. We can actually. You know, we're we're not spending that amount, but but it is a huge investment. Exactly, I think. First of all, you need to have a spot that can live beyond the Super Bowl. So, you need to have something that can you know that actually stretches stretches for a period of time. I think the the social media piece, the PR impression piece, the 
you know, if, if you can have something that has legs beyond the actual 30-second spot, I think is important. And the, the final thing actually is the retail piece. So for us, at least, like the, that, that spot where we were introducing a new, it's the party pack. It's, it's called Wicked, you know, it's a Wicked Party Pack, Wicked Easy, Wicked Hazy, Wicked Tropical. And when we tell our sales team, you know, months before we're going to be on the Super Bowl, that we're going to be on the Super Bowl, it's a really powerful tool for them to go to retailers and say, look at how we're investing behind this brand, this piece of innovation, et cetera. So there's a definite, you know, definitely a benefit there too. Yeah. That's really interesting actually, because I, I know, you know, been in debates before with people about, you know, is, is $5 million or $6 million a good spend on the Super Bowl? And, you know, having worked on PepsiCo brands who obviously do a lot of advertising on the Super Bowl, my response has always been, well, if you can't leverage it with your customers, what can you leverage, right? There is there is no bigger, you know, demand driving, bigger audience creating event than on earth than the Super Bowl. And, and I mean, I, I don't know if it's the same in beer, but in, in soft drinks, the, the battles in store to build displays and, 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 you know, get more distribution points and all that kind of thing. And that's in, in, in carbonated drinks anyway, that's the battle is, is you leverage the Super Bowl to, to win in yeah. store effectively is, Very similar. is where the battle's Very similar. won. Yeah. That's why. So Doritos, which was the number two spot, that was flaming hot. Yeah. So, you know, and then electric cars. So there's a lot of innovation that actually gets presented at Super yeah. Bowl, which has yeah. a lot of benefits. Yeah, you're right. So if, if you're PepsiCo, that, that, that variant of flaming hot, you'd expect to be on every shelf every aisle end, you know, it, it up and down the country in response to that. Yeah, it's almost the best, you know, best venue. So listen, to, what would be, so if anyone's listening to this, they've never made a Super Bowl commercial before, which I imagine is probably quite a lot of people. What are your top three tips for uh, for making a, a winning, and you have now got a winning Super Bowl ad. What would be your a top winning. three tips? Okay, okay, so it has to be three. So, well, I have learned through some experience of not doing this that humor, I think, on Super Bowl is the number one criteria. People want to be happy. They want to laugh. They don't want something super serious. In general, I would definitely move towards humor versus away from humor versus something very earnest. And I think that's actually been a trend this year as well. I think the second one is some kind of storyline. So, and I, I know System One plays this back to us often that you think you need tons of branding you actually don't need tons of branding if the story is compelling and then the third one i think for for us at least and this is why i do think we you know we scored so well is because we have a campaign that we're building off of so ideally like if you were in this position and you're brand x you know and you have a choice of building off your current campaign or some, doing something completely different i would build off brand uh, you know campaign yeah. x <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that is amazing advice. I mean, the humor thing. My colleague Orlando recently wrote a book, Look Out, and and in fact, he documents the decline in humor in advertising because it seems that we've become very serious. Now, th there are reasons why we've become serious. You know, environment and you know social equality and, and a number of a number of reasons that make sense. But we we have forgotten how to have fun and 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 how to use humor. I think so. Like you, I was very pleased to see this year's Super Bowl that there was definitely an injection of humour. And maybe it's a post-COVID thing. We've sort of like loosened up a little bit as, as we emerge from the other side of a pandemic, which I think is good. And the, the other thing I thought, just touching on what you said there, your campaign idea. So in addition to the familiarity breeding contentment, the other thing that I noticed time and time again is how people don't use existing 
successful assets. So, I mean, what one experience I had in, in, in a previous job was I remember saying to the team, before making a new TV ad, can you tell me what the best TV ad we've already made is? And why don't we try and why don't we either use that again or try and make one that's better than that? And it's it's amazing with this turnover of, you know, marketing managers and, and CMOs is is we have a very short memory, don't we? And you look at Geico Gecko and other campaigns like that or Snickers, you're not you when you're hungry. And and the really successful ones are those ones that have lived, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, aren't they? And and, and I think that's got to be the goal as marketers because the return on that investment just gets better and better and better over the years. Yeah, I know. That's probably a whole separate book, right? Around the psychology of your task with this brand manager position. You want to put your stamp on the thing. You want to make the brand grow. You're always kind of, everybody's kind of looking for what's the new thing that, you know, you can do, we can talk about. And I think you have to have a lot of confidence actually to just go back to something that was done and obviously improve it or do something you know different with it but it is it it takes it takes maturity doesn't it because it actually takes quite a low level of ego to go do you know what rather than me create something which would be a lot of fun i know actually what we've done is already quite good and if i can add 10 20 percent to it 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 could you know yeah that that takes quite a bold move that we should have Um, the brand police somehow there should be the brand police you know they come (laughs) and get you back into back in the guardrails I know. Well, I think I think part of the problem is personally. I think the fact we have an annual planning cycle just gets us in this habit of well, every year we start again. And, and I also think budgeting can get in the way because you sort of budget. Well, I had this much last year, therefore my tactics will be similar. We should really start with nothing and go. Well, justify you know what you're going to do from the bottom up rather than just go. Well, we did it last year, so we'll make yep. a new now one you of those like again. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, okay. I'll change tack very, very quickly. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Look, this, this is why we use System One, by the way, because the CFO gets very happy so long as the, the marketing gets measured, right? It's all about buying, it's buying some freedom from the CFO. In fact, I think the, probably the best me- meeting I've ever been in was when John, our founder, presented to the CFO at, uh, at LRS. And he got awfully excited. He said, oh, finally, I can measure what John's spending all this money on before he spends it. That was the thing. It's like, like I don't want to have to get the evaluation afterwards when it's too late. I want to know before. Anyway, so Toby, bless his cottons, got very excited about being able to predict before the money got spent rather than after. But anyway, there we go. So listen, well done, Lesia. Well, you and the team, of course, at Boston Beer for, for winning Super Bowl. I, I guess... My obvious question is, what are you going to do next year? How do you top know. this? I was just Apart from getting a five-star, of course. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Last year, I thought the same thing. Yeah. I thought we're not going to top this. Now, I really am thinking, how are we going to top this? I don't yeah. know. We have a few well, months to one, figure it out. One, you have a bit of time. But one, one thing to encourage you with is that the, 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 there's a company in the UK, Aldi Supermarkets, who have got their familiar characters, Kevin the Carrot, right? It's a very cute a character that they use time and again. They, their first score, I think, was about three and a half star, 3.8 star, four or five years ago. They've been working with us since then, and they've now got 5.8 star. And in fact, they won Christmases. Christmases are in the UK is kind of the equivalent of our Super Bowl. It's when the most money gets spent on advertising and the, the biggest work happens. And they've got the same problem because they're like, well, John, we're now number one on your testing. We've now got the highest score ever. What do we do now? But the, the lovely thing with them, it, the reason I can reassure them is that the familiarity of their fluent device in Kevin just gets better and better every year. So they, they've kind of, they've cracked the formula and they just keep it fresh every mm-hmm. single year. So Well, maybe so Kevin should meet the cousin. 
Yeah, come on, Kevin and the cousin. That would be literally you'd get the best Christmas advertiser and the best Super Bowl advertiser. That would be so much fun. <laughs> well, in fact, actually, I've got them coming on the podcast later this week. So uh, I'm doing a How Kevin Won Christmas episode. So uh, that there'll be some merit in comparing notes, I'm sure. Well, Lesia, thank you so much. It's been a real blast. And, and thank you for your generosity in, in, in oh, sharing all the, all the stories behind the scenes. And you know, I, I, people will be fascinated to, to hear what you know, really goes on in making a, and well, I was going to say an award-winning, a chart-topping Super Bowl ad. Great. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen, the winning ad of Super Bowl 2022 and System 1 customer. Uh, So I hope you enjoyed listening to her recollections of what it takes to win the Super Bowl and what goes into Super Bowl ad. Um, If you'd like to find out more uh, about other podcasts that I do, please do subscribe. You can do that via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to leave me a review, please do. I really do appreciate the feedback. You can get a hold of me on Twitter. I'm at UncensoredCMO. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn where I'm John Evans. That's John without an H. Uh, I've got plenty more great podcasts coming up. So please keep a watch out for those. They will be coming to you soon. Uh, Lastly, just to say thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time to check out the Uncensored CMO. See you next time.